highly contested, it's getting wild. Highly contested, if you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats, act like radios are off. The takes us high. Highly contested, it's getting wild. Highly contested, if you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats, act like radios are off. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes, supported with the big facts. I'm George, and I'm here with Joe. How you doing today, Joe? I'm doing pretty good. You check out that new intro we got? Oof. Fire, man. Much respect, <laughs> and uh, thanks to our boy Eric, who, who made that for us. Yeah. Now, I'm also here with Eric. How you doing today, Eric? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's good to hear, man. Well, some of today's featured topics include our predictions for the second round playoff series between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Houston Rockets. Do we agree with Richard Jefferson as he stated that Giannis might be a Pippin and needs a Jordan? Our thoughts on the Hall of Famer and former MVP Steve Nash as he just signed a four-year contract to be the coach of the Nets. And finally, how will Leonard Fournette fit into the Buccaneers running back lineup? So our first topic will be the Rockets versus Lakers in our predictions. Joe, I'm going to start with you. What are your thoughts for this matchup? Well, this one was one of the most simplest questions I could ever answer. The Rockets are going to go for a good old sweeping on the Rockets. The Lakers had a long time of rest, healthy, as much as they could be, and they're going to go out and straight dominate like they did in the last few games with the Blazers. No question to ask. They're going to run away with this game. So just to clarify, who do you got sweeping who? The Lakers sweeping the Rockets. All right. Eric, what are your thoughts? Well, um, I also have the Lakers winning this, but I don't think it's going to be a sweep. Um, as much as uh, Harden has a shooting downfall here and you know rest is kind of rusty a little bit i i just think the lakers are still gonna lose a game or two here so i'll I'll have the lakers winning in five or six possibly possibly six i'll say gotta give some respect to the rockets but i just don't see them winning this thing so you got it going five or six yeah i'd say six let's say six yeah i mean i also got the lakers winning in five Rockets, they're already looking tired. I watched that game seven against the Thunder. They were already looking tired, exhausted. Uh, James Harden was looking gassed out. His offense wasn't there. Uh, Lakers have shown to play great defense, did well against the Portland guards. Rockets don't really have an answer for LeBron or Anthony Davis, in my opinion. Uh, The Lakers, they have great bigs that will be eating some barbecue chicken against the Rockets in this series. Yeah. Or go ahead, Eric. Yeah. Uh, I just don't see the, the Rockets doing anything in the paint here. I mean, they do a lot of uh, driving into the paint, kicking out to the corners for threes. And, of course, they're live and die by the three. But, uh, yeah, I just don't see anyone holding down AD. They have no no more center in Clint Capella ever since the trade. So I just don't see them doing any damage there. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it, the Rockets are going to have a tough, tough competition with the Lakers. And – that's why I said give it the good old sweep. Yep. All right, Eric, I'm going to ask you a quick question. Sure. So do you not have much faith in this micro ball lineup that the Rockets got going on? Do you think uh, you, they'll have any success against the Lakers? You know, the success comes in spurts, which is why I believe uh, teams that have done it before usually did it in uh, small spurts. You know, they would use a center and maybe the matchup wasn't right, so they take it out, put a small, small ball team in for a few minutes. Um, you usually didn't see them for whole games. The Rockets right now are not only living and dying by the three, but they're living and dying by the small ball lineup. And like I said, it's not going to work with AD being right there in the middle of it. Um, even when AD's out, man, McGee's still there. You know, the, they have a lot of good centers on this Laker team. Um, and I just don't see anyone matching up with the Lakers here. Good points right there, Joe. What's your thoughts on this small ball lineup the Rockets got going on? I mean, the only time you can actually see it going well is with the Warriors and the Rockets ain't no Warriors. Unfortunately, I know they try to be, but they just can't uh, uh, live up to it. Yeah, I just don't see anyone being able to match up with the bigs that the Lakers got. You know, McGee, former champion, still doing really good in the minutes he gets. Dwight Howard, 
has had a good comeback story this year, you know, doing his thing. And then Anthony Davis, you know, if you take out McGee and Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis can still cook on any of them. You know, who's going to be guarding them? You know, was it P.J. Tucker? That's that's going to be barbecue chicken for Anthony Davis all day. Yeah, I would love to see the, the Lakers play with the Rockets here a little bit, especially if they're up by a lot in some of these games. Not saying they will be, but uh, if so, I would like to see them play a lot more AD with Howard or AD with uh, McGee kind of together, you know, who's going to stop them in the paint if they're right there next to each other, you know, kind of like how when AD was playing with Boogie back in oh, the yeah. Pelicans. Like if you give that some type of momentum to the Lakers, even now in the playoffs, um, I think that the Rockets might get shocked here with that. Oh, yeah. That'll be, that'll be kind of OP if you think about it. I mean, we also saw in this last uh, matchup against the Thunder, Steven Adams was just getting easy buckets, you know? Oh, yeah. So, and I like to believe Anthony Davis is – better than Steven Adams. So oh, should, for be, sure. <laughs> should be but, an interesting matchup. But he, okay, what would you guys think if it was the Thunder in place with the Rockets? Rock uh, Thunder versus Lakers. What would you guys think about that? The paint would be a better game, I would think, with Adams being there, of course, and they have some uh, you know Gallinari's an offensive weapon who also has size to him. Um, the the Rocket, I mean the Thunder, they're not a very small team like the Rockets, so I think that's really why they gave them a run for their money. To be honest, mm-hmm. of course, you know you had a Harden with his shooting slump, and Russ making some key turnovers in some games, but I mean you just you can't really compare the two teams when it comes to size and and players. So I mean here, if with the Lakers, the, the Rockets ain't going to be able to handle it as much as maybe an OKC team would. But the OKC team would still be going down in a sweep or in five. So, yeah, I agree. I, I'd have Thunder getting swept out of that series. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think the Rockets can win a game. Put you know, some respect on the Thunder, man. Hey, you know what? They were heavily <laughs> slept on, and I'm not gonna lie. I, I I really did not think they'd make it this far. So, major props to them. You know, and Chris Paul, his leadership to be able to get that team to play the way they were, especially with the team being so young, you know, and yeah. then performing pretty well in the playoffs. You know, but I, I know we're getting a little off topic, but I think their uh, youth kind of showed in that game seven with all those turnovers. I think a more veteran team would have been uh, not have had all those turnovers that they had. But Yeah, um, but we would never know until next season if that would happen again. Yeah, that's true. But I, I think the, the key player to watch in this series is going to be Westbrook. You know, he's missed a lot of time, you know, with the hiatus, mm. you know, those four months. And then he did contract COVID and had to miss out, you know, the beginning of the bubble. And then he had that injury and had to miss out. So he's, you know, working himself back into shape. So it's going to be interesting. Maybe like at what point does he become Russ again? You know, he's fully back. And can that make a change in the series, you know? Because right now he's still struggling, working himself back into game shape. So if he's able to do that pretty soon, you know, it could be interesting. But they only had like a day off, you know, and the Lakers are going to be a little more rested. They already look tired in game seven against the mm-hmm. Thunder. So I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, my X factor would be Anthony Davis or the centers, on, like personally, because they're going to control that paint. No matter, no matter what angle you look at it, they're going to control that paint. And they're going to get so many buckets, as you would call it, and they're just going to wreak havoc. Agreed. I, I do think Anthony Davis will be an X factor. We've seen him, you know, disappear in that fourth quarter. So I would love to see him be more consistent in that fourth quarter, especially in this series. Oh, yeah. You know, who do you guys the X factor in this series, Eric? For the Lakers and the Rockets here? Yeah, e- either team. <sighs> The X factor, I'm going to say it's going to be, it's got to be AD, man. AD, like I said, he, this is time to feast. Like you said, it's barbecue chicken time. He's got to come in here and just take over this game. LeBron should be playing more of this uh, point guard role here and getting all these assist numbers and rebounds up because I don't see real, a real need for LeBron to go off and get 40 to 30 points a night. This is AD's time to shine here. This is feast city. Agree. I, I think too, if, uh, he does get cooking in this series. It'll be great momentum going into the Western Conference Finals where LeBron will definitely need him against whoever comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, let's move on to our next topic. 
Our next topic is going to be Giannis and what Richard Jefferson had said. He stated that Giannis might not be a Pippin, or he might be a Pippin and needs a Michael Jordan. Eric, what are your thoughts on that comment? There's a lot of things you can go back and forth here. Um, I personally don't really like the comment. Um, in the words of Scottie Pippen via Twitter, he says, I'm not a Giannis. I don't have a back-to-back MVP, uh, league MVPs, in which he says uh, he will get one in a matter of days. And he goes, and he's not me. The question is, who are you? Talking to Richard Jefferson. And I got some respect for Richard Jefferson, man. I love his mentality. I love his fire. I love him as a player. Uh, he played for the Warriors, of course, my favorite team, for a year or two. And then uh, he went to the Cavs, which hurt me. But uh, he went to the Cavs, won a chip with them. And uh, he has a, just a really long, great career. I think it's 18 years worth. Uh, so this guy, you know, he has really good numbers. Don't get me wrong. When you compare to Scottie Pippen, of course, if you're comparing those two players, because I know, you know, Scottie said, who are you as a player? But, uh, you know, Richard has some really good stats compared to Pippen's. But we got to remember, the minutes played between these two players are not the same. Like, Scotty is in there with way more minutes. So uh, you can't really compare some of these stats, even though Richard's looked better at some point. But anyway, my point is that, uh, I mean, look at Giannis, man. Giannis has career – his career stats are incredible, especially this last year, man. He's averaging 29.5 points. Uh, this year, and he has 13.6 rebounds. He's that's a double double, uh, 5.6 um, assists. I mean, this guy has gotten better and better every year. Last year was 27.7 points. The year before that was 26. You know, and the year before that was 22. So I mean, this guy is Giannis is just incredible. Saying that he's a Pippin, you know, and waiting for his Jordan. I mean, you can't really say that for any of these players because who's Jordan without Pippin? You know, and who's Pippen without Jordan? They don't win without each other. Same with Kobe and Shaq, man. Shaq was nothing without the players he was with when he was winning these ships. He was nothing without – I mean, I'm not saying he's nothing, but uh, he's not a championship player without Dwayne Wade, Kobe. You know, he, he's not the same. Kobe isn't the same without Shaq or Gasol. Um, Curry isn't the same without Clay. you know, or, or Draymond or KD. So, I mean, it's – you can't really say he's a Pippin, man. He has the, these great numbers that shows he is going to be a top 10 person in this league for sure when it's all said and done. I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a team sport. You know, it's more than one player to win it all. I think the real question is, you know, not, not necessarily comparing, you know, player to player, but I think just being a Batman versus Robin, right? Do you think Giannis is a true number one on a championship caliber team? Or do you think he's a number two on a championship caliber team? Look, man, if Giannis isn't a number one right now, then what? when he gets this three-point shot up more and his percentage goes higher, this man's going to just dominate the hell out of the league as if he is already. He's better to win his second MVP, no doubt. So, I mean, you can't tell me this guy's not a number one on a team. I mean, look at Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton's an all-star on this team. He is basically the Pippen of this team. And he is way over uh, 22 points per game. And you're telling me that he that you know Giannis is the number two man? No, I can't take that, man. This this is ridiculous. I think Jefferson is just trying to create some heat here for the media side of this. Um, that's how I see it. Definitely great controversy, and that's why we're talking about it. Joe, what are your uh, thoughts on his comments? Well, first, I want to say that I don't know what got in Richard Jefferson's head. <laughs> Ever since he left the Warriors to go to the Cavaliers, he developed some type of ego, whatever. He's always had this ego. Making making these type of blasphemous comments about people. But let me get in. I think Giannis just needs to like calm down and relax. Just focus on what's in front of you and just chill out. He had a couple bad starts, which he, he needs to not happen no more. Because they're, as you see, they're down two games. Yeah, that's true. Now... I'm not going to say he's a Pippin that needs a Jordan, but what I will say is he's more of a Shaq that needs a Kobe or Dwayne Wade. Eric kind of already touched on those comments, you know, because I see Giannis as a true dominant force in this league. He's a big man, you know, and we've already seen comparisons to him and Shaq. And, you know, Shaq didn't win any championships by himself. He needed, you know, a true other elite player with him. He needed a Kobe Bryant. He needed a Dwayne Wade to win. And let's not forget that Giannis is still young. He's only 25. I mean, at the same age, you know, Shaq wasn't as efficient or as, uh, 
Yeah, he wasn't as efficient as Giannis. Um, Shaq was 27 years old when he won his first championship with L.A. Mm -hmm. back in 2000. So, like I said, I I think we need to pump the brakes, you know, with Giannis. He's still young. You know, let's not crucify him over his two first, you know, was a playoff runs that maybe didn't go as expected. We saw Jordan, you know, in the beginning of his career without Scottie Pippen, not be able to do much, make it far. And, um, you know, Middleton, I think he's nice, but I don't think he's a Robin or a number two on a championship mm-hmm. team. I think he's a nice number three, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I do think that the Bucks need to find a way to bring Giannis another, you know, another Robin in there or another elite talent just to take that pressure off him in these playoffs because in these playoffs we see you focus down on Giannis you know and you let everyone else beat you and the others aren't able to beat them you know so it doesn't matter if you know Middleton goes off for a game but if you're able to hold down Giannis you know you win so I think if they're able to bring in somebody else as a true Robin then I I do think the Bucks will see more success because I see Middleton as a nice you know complimentary piece but I see him as a number three, not a number two. Uh, what do yeah. you guys think on that? Well, I could agree with that. Um, I, I would say that, you know, if if Giannis really had a pure shooter who is in the all-star caliber of um, like a Clay Thompson, someone like that, um, they have Corver. They do have Corver, but he just isn't up to that par of an all-around player as uh, Clay is. Um, but if, if he had someone like that, bro, on this team, they would be unstoppable because it would be so spread out. I know Middleton does get out there to the to the three-point line and do some damage, but uh, I don't think they give Cover or Corver, sorry, enough time up there, to be honest. They just need another shooter. Having Corver and another shooter, of course, would really open things up. So uh, they do have some shooters on this team, though, don't get me wrong, but I'm saying like real all-star caliber um shooters out there not to you know take away the fact that Corver has been an all-star but I mean like a current all-star yeah, yeah. Corver's aging and he he's been known as you know just a pure shooter not nothing else you know I think like a piece like a Bradley Beal you know would be nice here yeah you know so, someone that can shoot but is a bucket getter you know he could mm-hmm. you know go to the paint mid-range he can yeah he can you know score from anywhere not just limited to a catch and shoot player or, you know, something like that. You know, you need a true player that can do it all, you know, on the offensive mm-hmm. end. I think a piece like that would help Giannis greatly, especially in the playoffs, because now you got, you can't just focus on Giannis. Cause if you focus on Giannis and you have a Bradley Beal next to him, Bradley Beal is going to go for 50, you know, <laughs> you're, you're going to have to respect Bradley Beal as well. And by doing that now Giannis can feast in what he does best, which is in the paint. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anything you want to touch up on, Joe? Um, well, yeah. Chris Middleton, he he has he hasn't been playing good and he's in this playoffs and last playoffs, he's been pretty lackluster. Unlike in the in the regular season, he's he's pretty good. But it like you said, he just needs he's more of a three right right now. If they were to get like you said, um, Bradley Bill and Eric Bledsoe as uh, their point guard, I think, right? Yeah. I think if they were to get a, maybe a little a little uh, stronger point guard, I think that front court will be one of the best front courts in the NBA. I mean, they, they definitely got a good team. I mean, that's why oh, they're yeah. number one in the East, you know. These yeah, last they, couple they, years. they prove it. They, they they prove in the in the regular season that they deserve to be that number one team, but they need to prove it in playoffs as well. Yeah, and I think that comes down to having someone else that can be a threat that the defense has to focus on. Because right now, all they're doing they're focusing on Giannis and they're daring everyone else to beat them. And we've seen that in the playoffs, you need the others to take that pressure off so that Giannis can be Giannis and they can't just force him into becoming a shooter because he's not a shooter. You know, he's a, he's in the paint type of guy, you know, and that's where he eats. And right now the defenses are able to focus in on that since there's no other true bucket getter on the team, 
that they got to focus on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Eric or Joe? Nope. Yeah, I'll just say I agree with you on the point you made earlier about how you say uh, 25. Yeah, he's still really young. Um, you know, LeBron, Jordan, Pippen, Curry, KD, from the age range of 27 on to 31, that's when they won their first chip. So, I mean, he still has time, man. At this point, you know, like uh, players like Curry and Jordan and all these other guys, man, they were they were in playoffs and stuff. They were doing damage, but they weren't winning until they hit the real peak. Yeah, that's true. That, that's what I'm saying. I think with media and everything, we're, we put a lot of pressure on some of these athletes, and we forget that, you know, they're, they're not the only ones that didn't win this young. You know, some of these other greats, it took them a while, you know, for them to reach their peak. And not just that, but for the team to reach their full potential, you know. Yeah, yeah. We, saw yeah. Jor- we saw Jordan get bounced around in the playoffs early on in his career. Yeah. We saw same with Shaq, same with, you know, a lot of these players. You know, there's only been a few that were able to do it at a young age. And the ones that did it at a young age had already a great team around them, right? So yeah. we saw, like, Magic Johnson, for example. You know, he won it his rookie year, but he had Kareem right next to him. You know, he, mm-hmm. he had a good team around him. We saw Kobe win early, but he had Shaq and great players around him already. Yeah, You know, we look at some of these other people like a LeBron or Jordan or whoever that came in as a star or were great early on, but didn't necessarily have that team around them. It took them a while to win. You know, they didn't win yeah. right away. They had to so learn I, from the bottom up. Yeah. So I, I just think, you know, the media is putting a lot of pressure on these guys and these guys listen to the media, you know, as much as they might yeah. say or try that and say that they don't listen to the media they do you know and it gets to them and i mean at the end of the day they're still young they got time you know there's there's no need to put all that pressure on them right now but that's just the day we live in you know everything's on twitter instagram and they see it yeah i mean i loved uh richard jefferson i love the his uh the way he you know talks about basketball and usually with his players and stuff he has really good stories and really good uh announcer even and I just think it was a slow day at the office for him that day. I much agreed with that. Slow day. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget, he's part of the media now, and this is part of his job is to make make headlines like this, you know, get people talking, you know. And, you know, he did a good job at that. And I do think it is a good question, you know, to ask. I think some people will say he is a Pippin as a number two, and then there's going to be others that say, no, you know, he needs more around him, you know. He can't win by himself. Agreed. Yeah, so, all right, I guess we'll be moving on to our next topic, which is the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. So it's the former MVP, Steve Nash. He just signed a four-year contract to be the head coach of the Nets. Um, I know he's been with Golden State for the last five years. Eric, I know you follow this team very closely, so – I would love to get your thoughts on this uh, new signing as coach. Well, this is really no surprise uh, to me anyway. I mean, surprised that, you know, he's he's now with the Nets and stuff like that um, in general. I guess you can say it happened now. But uh, I guess, I, you know, you could say I could have seen this coming just because, you know, KD being with the Warriors and uh, really getting close with um, someone like Steve Nash. And Steve Nash has always been respected and – well-known around the league and especially, you know, being with the Suns and the history he's had there and even with the Mavericks and then, you know, continuing after he retires, being a two-time MVP winner back-to-back, this man goes and uh, becomes a shooting coach and uh, and more with the Warriors. And, you know, KD and uh, Kyrie, I'm sure, love the idea of having Steve Nash come over to the Brooklyn Nets and really get them going there because, you know, next year it's going to be a totally different story when it comes to Brooklyn. And I'd love to see what blossoms out of there, you know? Yep. Joe, what are your thoughts on this signing? I think Steve Nash will do a pretty good job as the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. This will be his first coaching job, if you think a head coaching job, if you think about it. He definitely will bring some type of like warrior style of play because they have KD and a great shooter and drill butter and Kyrie. Those are those are the main pieces of the success that I think will help him be a probably what I could probably say is a future Hall of Fame head coach as well. Yeah. yeah. 
Very good point. It is his first time being a head coach, so he really has no experience as a head coach. Um, he was a player development consultant with the Warriors for the last five years. And, I mean, I think KD had a huge part in this signing because oh, yeah. they yeah. probably built a really nice connection back in Golden State. And, you know, we, we know a lot of these stars, they have a lot of saying who's their coaches or who the free agent targets are and things like that. So I'm sure KD had a big role in picking Steve uh, Nash. Now, what I think is going to be interesting, I, I think we're going to see Steve Nash have a similar coaching career as Steve, Steve Kerr. Kerr. Yeah. Just because, you know, Steve Kerr adopted a really good team when he first started. And this Nets team is going to be really good for Steve Kerr to start with. So we're going to see him probably go on a really good, you know, win, win to loss run as a head coach. Mm-hmm. And it's going to yeah. be interesting to see, like, when they do make it in the playoffs, because this is going to be a championship caliber team, you know, with that's going to be the goal, you know, so anything short of that will, would be a disappointment. And if they, you know, let's say they get bounced out early, you know, is, is uh, Steve Nash going to take a lot of heat for that without much experience. So we're going to see what really happens with this. I do like the signing though. Uh, I've always liked Steve Nash as a player and to be that great of a point guard, you know, you're, you're a coach on the court, you know, so I believe that he will be able to draw up some nice X's and O's and run some great plays for these guys. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, um, I want to say about um, – there pretty much is a mirrored image between him and Kerr, almost. Uh, when I say that, I mean by, uh, you know, Steve Kerr started out as uh, obviously a player. And uh, from then on, he became like an announcer on TNT – and then he was able to, you know, get on a really good Warriors team, and he, he luckily won his first uh, championship there. Now, I don't think it's going to be that lucky here with uh, S- uh, Steve Nash, but, you know, he did start out, uh, obviously, as a player and becoming a two-time MVP. And then, uh, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, Kerr was also a GM for the Suns, so that's kind of close there, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, Steve Nash was an announcer for soccer, just like how Kerr was an announcer for basketball. Uh, not the same sport, but, you know, he still has that experience of being an announcer, seeing the game from up above, and, uh, you know, really filling stuff like that in. And, of course, he had little side gigs here with the NBA and stuff, and then he became a coach. And just like Kerr, now he's a, a coach of the NBA, uh, NBA team. No experience, just like her. But both had very, very good um, NBA careers, and I'm sure their brains are like sponges when it came to all the X's and O's. And I'm ready to see what uh, Steve Nash has up for anything, you know, up for this Brooklyn Nets team. And I want to see some good stuff out of there because that, that fan base really needs it, man. The mm-hmm. Nets have, have been there. They've been they've been close in the past here, but it's just never been real close. Yeah. Joe, what do you got to say for any comments? Uh, Steve Nash will be one of those type of coaches that he's a player's coach because he knows the game from their perspective really good. So that that's one way he could click with them and not everything just go combusted with with a whole bunch of other drama. Yep. I mean that that's a point that I was about to bring up, you know, I I do think he will be a nice player's coach. And I think that the team will respect him, you know, cuz he is a Hall of Famer. He's uh you know, been an MVP in the league. He's done some great things. He's known as one of the best point guards in the game ever to do it. So I think he'll he'll get the respect of a Kyrie, a KD, whereas, you know, if you bring in some other guy that maybe he's never played, has no championship pedigree or anything, you know, you're, you'd see a lot more resistance from a Kyrie, from a KD, you know. So I, I think right away Steve Nash will have their respect and he'll be able to coach up these guys, but not just coach them up, but be able to deal with their egos or anything that's going off on the side of basketball. You know, mm-hmm. he'll he'll be able to talk to him. He's got experience being the point guard and leader of a so I think he'll be able to walk in and be able to move forward with these guys. And I think a big question is gonna be KD's health, you know, coming back from that injury. I do think he's had enough time because he didn't try to come back in these playoffs or anything. So I think he should be pretty fine, you know, coming back to the next season. But Katie's health will definitely be a big part of 
you know, them moving forward. Also, Kyrie, we've seen him banged up, yeah. you know, almost every season. But as far as just coaching-wise, I love this, you know, sign. He'll be able to, you know, command respect, like I said, day one, and be able to talk to these guys and they'll listen to him. You know, if KD and Kyrie can stay healthy all season, which has really been a real bet every year, even on separate teams. But if these two guys can stay 100% healthy all season, including into the playoffs, these guys could definitely make an Eastern uh, Finals run for sure. I don't know if they can make the Finals. There's a lot of good teams in the East now. It's getting better. Still not as great as the West, obviously. The rest, the West runs at least 11 to 12 deep, you know. But uh, I would say maybe more 10, 11. But uh, still, the East, you know, these are real professionals. It's no joke. And if I would love to see Katie and Kyrie stay 100% healthy and really see what they can do here. Yep. So if, if both these guys are healthy, do you see them as the number one seed next year in the Eastern Conference? Or does it still go through Milwaukee or one of these other teams? You know, it really depends on the offseason. If, like, you know, Bucks are down 2-0, not to speak anything into existence, but if they, if they get wiped out here in this, in, this, uh, in this playoff run, then I don't know. It depends where Giannis goes, if he stays or what's going on here, you know, traded or whatever is the deal there. I mean, you could have a lot of pieces move here. You know, there's plenty of teams that are very movable. So um, the East can be changed within a, in a matter of a few days, and so will the West, of course. So you never know. But I would like to see them, the the Nets, be at least a top top two, top three team. They should be. There's no reason why they shouldn't. They have one of the best players I've ever seen in the clutch time, pure shooter in KD, amazing uh, uh, handles in Kyrie, and a very deep bench. You know, I they might get rid of people on their bench as well. But I want to see them trying to keep those guys because I think with all them together, it's definitely something to be seen. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget how clutch uh, Kyrie is. You should know that very well, Eric. <laughs> oh, yeah, and how clutch the Warriors can win championships. I got that, too. <laughs> so, Joe, what, what do you think? Do you think the Nets should be favored next season? The East will, will run through the Bucks until next season because the ball, is, if they get sweeped – which knock on wood, but uh, if Giannis leaves, they're 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 going to be done for a while until they get another high caliber player like Giannis or someone else in the free agency. Because right now that that's they're the they're the top tier, but another team you got to look for is the Raptors because the Raptors are right below them. Uh, if, as you think about it. But if KD and Kyrie stay healthy, Giannis doesn't leave, and the Bucks get a good number two for him, I think I think you're going to be looking at uh, a new number two in the Nets. But it'll, it'll be tough number one for, to, for the Bucks to stay number one. So you'd predict him to be around the two seed then? Yes. Uh, it'll be a lot of wins in those columns for both of them if, if they stay where it is. Yeah, I mean, if everything stays the same, right? Uh, I know Eric is always bringing up Giannis might be leaving, but if everything stays the same, you know, the Bucks stay as constructed, you know, the Raptors, you know, and the Nets stay healthy. I know that's a lot of ifs, but – if if it, everything stays about the same, I think they should be the number one seed coming into the season. You know, you got Kevin Durant, Kyrie, a nice solid team. I mean, I, I don't think unless they you know do a lot of load management, you know, like the Clippers do. I think that's the only reason they shouldn't be a top seed, the one or the two. But if they're healthy and they're playing, I don't think there's any excuse for them not to be the top two seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, with all the talent they have, best believe the thing here that I'm going to say would be not really a huge blame. I mean, it's going to be a huge blame spot for sure, but um, I really think it's going to be looking at the coaching position in Steve Nash because they obviously have the talent, they have the skill, they have the players. So, I mean, if they can't get the stuff done on the floor, it's going to be looked right at the coaching position. Agreed. So let me ask you guys this. If we start – off to a rocky, you know, beginning of the season, or maybe, maybe let's say they're the fifth, sixth seed, or something like that. 
what do you think uh, Steve Nash's position would be? You think they it'd be one of those quick fires, or you think they run it back again? No, there's a reason why this is a four year deal, man. You, you just can't give someone with no experience, uh, especially, and uh, you know a a very well respected uh, player in the league and uh, after the league. You can't just fire them, fire them in one year. This is if if the Nets make that move of firing Steve Nash, it, it would have to be something really catastrophic for that to happen. First of all, second of all, firing someone like Steve Nash, a, a fan favorite, not just from the fans but also the player favorite, it's not going to look good on the Nets. Then there'll be questions about the front office, and that's a type of poison that the Brooklyn Nets definitely know of, and they don't need that type of uh, energy around them again. So I truly believe they don't, they'll stick around with Steve Nash for close to that deal of what he has. I mean, if things really go bad, maybe two, three years, I would say more around the three year mark. Um, Cause if you, you know, or maybe let him walk after that fourth year contract, who knows? But uh, I really think it will be successful. All right. I just want to like take, take note that uh, John Morant won rookie of the year. Congratulations. Yes, sir. But let's say, if coronavirus didn't happen and we played out through the whole regular season normally, do you think he still would have won that uh, Rookie of the Year award, George? I think so. Um, you know, Zion would have been the next man up. And to me, you you can't win if you don't play a majority of the season. I don't know what – I can't uh, remember the, on the top of my head what his games would have paced out to be if we had the full season. Mm. but it wouldn't have been a big majority of it. So I think based off that alone, I think he only played a, around like 20 games, right? So I know yeah. he looked good in those games that he played, but let's not forget that rookies usually hit that rookie wall where maybe they, they have a good stretch, but then they have a bad stretch, and then maybe they have another good stretch. So we never got to see Zion, you know, fight through adversity in a slump, you know, mm. if he would have had a slump. So just to crown – or I know some people were crowning him as Rookie of the Year or would have voted for him off his very limited small sample size of games that he played. And I just don't think you could win Rookie of the Year playing so little games. Eric, you got any thoughts about that? Yeah, so Jaw won this Rookie of the Year award 99-1. to 1. So one guy didn't vote for Jaw. He voted for Zion. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So if there was no pandemic and we played through the regular season like it like it should have, and uh, and playoffs continued and so on, I believe it would have been a hundred to zero. Uh, Jaw would have won this no matter what, man, and he deserved a hundred to zero. I mean, Zion could win this next year just like how Ben Simmons did, as far as I care. Uh, <laughs> I really but- think that Jaw did deserve this award a hundred to zero, man. He deserves every piece of it. Yeah. But going back, go. Oh, sorry, George, didn't mean to cut you off. But uh, going back to what you said, Eric, that he could pull a Ben Simmons. Um, did he play enough games that so that could be avoided out, or can he no, still be that in was, that category? That's pretty much just a joke. Um, ben Simmons didn't play that whole year, so he would have to play no games in order to try and do that. He already had his rookie year. His rookie year just happened to be twenty or so games. Mm-hmm. George, what were you going to say? Yeah, I'm just going to contest Eric real quick on that point that he made. If the season would have played out like regular, that uh, Jaw would have had 100 to 0 of those votes. I think it would have been a lot closer if the full season played because I feel like a lot of people are on board with the point that I made that he just didn't play enough games. So if he were to play, you know, what, 50, 60 games, I think Zion would have had more votes than that one. Okay, but I'm. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying because it would have been a larger sample size, we would have seen him play with him a lot more games. So I, I think more people would have been swayed to vote for his, you know, for his game versus you know the small sample size. I think more people are like, well, yeah, like he didn't play enough games, so we can't just give it to him, even though he played well in those limited games. But let's not forget, job balled out too. You know, it's not like he won out of you know being the only one you know true but i'm sorry i'm still not giving an award to someone who's missing quite a bit of time like that i don't think uh you're not gonna have the same stats as somebody even if it did look let's say it was like one averaging one point better than jaw or whatever the point is the point is 
he, uh, Zion played less minutes, less games, and everything. And so his stats can look better in that way. When Jaw's out here playing almost every game, and he's you know playing the real minutes and getting real stuff done. So I mean, to me, I mean, I'm not putting no imaginary games in anything. This is what happened, man. This COVID stuff is here. Uh, we had to go through to the bubble. Jaw was there doing work. Zion was too, but uh, nothing nothing was on par with Jaw. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but I just know like pre-pandemic, there were a lot of people in the media, you know, rooting for Zion to be Rookie of the Year if, you know, X, Y, and Z would have happened. And then obviously the pandemic hit. So, you know, those X, Y, and Zs were never allowed to happen because the season was cut short. So I'm just saying if we had a normal season, you know, the full 82 and Zion would have came back and played a majority of those games that he did come back. I just feel like more people would have voted for him than in the situation we were in with the pandemic. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I I agree. But the only thing that I'm disagreeing with is if the season would have played out without COVID, I think Zion would have won, even though John Morant had a fantastic season. But I think Zion would have won that award. Um, because when he, before he, when he played those games as he was in before COVID, he was balling out. No questions asked. He, he was living up to what everyone thought he could. And then bam, everything stopped. The, basically the whole world stopped until basketball started. And yep. then he had, a, then he had basically had a restart again and he was never able to, um, compete what he did during the regular season. Agreed. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll move on to our final topic. So, how will Leonard Fournette fit into the Buccaneers running back lineup, Joe? All right. Like I told you guys last episode, I knew that this was going to happen. He fits in perfectly with this high caliber offense, man. He has a great supporting cast with him. Like TB12, Mike Evans, Gronk, and Godwin, this is an easy fit with him. He's he's not he's not going to be the focal point because he has all the weapons around him. But when Tom Brady needs to hand that ball off, they're just in the, he's just going to run right through the tackles, and bam, get whatever what get whatever he can with that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eric, what are your thoughts? Well. Um, I think Fournette would be an amazing piece to this team. You know, having him and McCoy and uh, Ronald Jones, I think these three running backs are going to be a, a tough time for many teams. Though uh, the Tampa Bay head coach, Bruce Aarons, did come out today saying Ronald Jones is the Bucks' starting running back despite having Leonard Fournette there. So, I mean, uh, he says he's the best fit for, the, for their system and um, having McCoy and Fournette, you know, right behind him is going to be – going to be pretty incredible. I mean, you could you could say that now because Fournette probably hasn't got a playbook yet or he doesn't know the offense as well as Ron, Rondell Jones does. So if Fournette could get to where Rondell Jones is, I think he'll be a, he'll end up starting. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, according to the head coach, he says, you know, uh when you get quote, when you get a player of that caliber talking about Fournette because I have great reviews from people that know him and who have coached him. He'll fit right in. We'll see what happens and how fast uh, how fast he could get into the system, basically. But he also said, quote, our guy is Jones, and, and Shady McCoy is ready for his role. So he's going to be building roles as long um, uh, as we go along and having enough quality players to finish this thing. So basically what he's saying here is uh, he wants Fournette to, obviously, like you say, Joe, you know, get with the system and – see what's going on. But like you said, they have some depth here. They have depth to run with. Um, I know McCoy's had some injuries and uh, he had a, uh, one or two good years in, with Buffalo, but he was, you know, not the same player as he was with the Eagles. So I do believe he'll be a, Fournette will be a step above McCoy here. Um, but McCoy has been around the team longer, but I still think uh, at the end of the year, Fournette would be a little bit above McCoy and who knows, maybe he will have that start spot. I give it, to, I give it week four. He, Leonard Fournette will start. George, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, man. I mean, my first thoughts was I feel bad for anyone who, you know, had their fantasy draft before this. You know, if you <laughs> if you drafted Fournette or Ronald Jones, feel bad for you, man. But uh, back to the actual football. I mean, I think it's a great fit. You know, Joe made a lot of great points on the last podcast and what he said right now. Um, but if we just look at raw talent, Fournette's the, the best guy in their running back lineup. He's 25, he, so he's not old at all. He was a former fourth-round pick – or not fourth-round, fourth overall pick in that 2017 draft. Um, now, let's, let's keep this in mind. He was fourth in carries when stacked against the box with eight-plus defenders. So he had 131 carries, which was fourth in the NFL. Um, in 2019, he had over 1,100 yards. He was the number six running back in yards. He only had one fumble. You know, he averaged 4.3 yards per carry. You know, he was top 10 amongst RBs in yards per game. Um, he's always top in the league against eight plus in the box. He's always facing a stacked box. Don't think that's going to be the case in Tampa with all those explosive weapons that Joe mentioned. You know, I think Fournette can have a great season with an improved offensive line, a great quarterback under center, and those better weapons around him with Gronk, Evans, Godwin. Um, he'll fit in great with the team. The defenses won't be able to focus on only Fournette, which was the case in Jacksonville. Um, he'll play against less stacked boxes, and he will be able to rush more since the Bucks will most likely play in games where they're ahead and have the lead versus and be able to run out the clock versus when he was with the Jacksonville or Jaguars uh, since they were always in comeback mode playing from behind. So he's going to have a better team all around. They're going to play in more leads and he'll be able to rush for more yards. I'm assuming because they'll be in leads, you know, so they're going to depend on him and he's a true bruiser, you know, they're going to use him, and, you know, they, they only sign him for, I think a year. So who knows what they do with him long-term or if they just use and abuse him this year. And if he has a great um, season, which I think he will, then maybe he goes somewhere else next season. We'll see what happens. Like that saying is, you use it or lose it. You know, yeah. they're, they're going to use him. Yeah. I mean, uh, with the draft class that he's from, it's great to have anyone from his draft class who's running back because the 2017 NFL draft, that running back, all, I mean, all these running backs that came out of that draft class are just incredible. You have uh, Fournette, of course, being first in the first round out of the running backs. And then you have Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Kamara, Kareem Hunt, James Conner, Marlon Mack, Aaron Jones, Chris Carson. Like, it just, this is an incredible, very incredible um, draft of running backs. And having Leonard Fournette on your team is going to do nothing but just, you know, add positivity to that position. Yeah, most definitely. Yep. Definitely think this is going to be an improvement. Uh, we'll see what kind of committee they run because they got some really good running backs back there. And I think Bruce Arians, you know, being the offensive mind that he is, it's going to have a lot of fun with all of these players that he's got, you know. So, yeah. And uh, Leonard Fournette is also good at blocking in the backfield, too, picking up blitzes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting how they run this offense this year, you know, so many options, so many, mm -hmm. so many great talent players on this team. You know, you got Tom Brady, arguably one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I mean, he is aging. Yeah, him and his TB12 treatment. That um, avocado. Uh, yeah. Was, <laughs> avocado toast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and his avocado ice cream, too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I just think this team is stacked with weapons, you know, and we're going to see how they put this together. Bruce Arians, great offensive guy, uh, mind. And see what he draws up for these guys. And like I said, I think this is going to be a great fit for Fournette. I predict a great season from him. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah. He, they're definitely going to have a great season. Um, I think they're going to win their division and possibly come out on top of the NFC. So we'll find out. You know, as much as I want to say a bunch of positive things about the Bucks and other. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady, who uh, I'm not trying to take away of his credit or anything, but he's a really great player. But you have an older QB and Tom Brady into a new system for his first time ever, and then you're going to get 
uh, you know, new running back, new wide receivers, new – just everything is so new. Everything's so mixed up. It, everything's just a mystery to me. I don't know who has chemistry with going on here. Who knows the system? Who doesn't? Who's – you know, it, it seems like everything's going to be mystery. So I can't really say anything until it's on the floor and it's on the field and everything's getting done. And then you could really, you know, break it down. But you got to think about this, though. Tom Brady is trying to prove a point that he could win without Belichick. So, technically, he has a chip on his shoulder. He's come now to prove that he could win. Yeah, you're right. Brady with a chip on his shoulder is definitely a player you don't want to be with uh, or you don't want to be against with. So, you want to be with that guy, for sure. You do want to be with Tom Brady with a chip on his shoulder. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you this real quick. Um, I mean, we, we know Tom Brady's got a chip on his shoulder. He wants to prove that he can win without Belichick. But you know who else has a chip on their shoulder? Cam Newton over there in New England. And we know Bill Belichick wants to prove that he can do it without Tom. So do you guys think that we can see a potential Super Bowl matchup between Mm. these two teams? That would be really nice, to be honest. That'd be – I mean, I don't like – as much as I don't want to see the Patriots back in the Super Bowl – it would be it would be a pretty crazy matchup. It would be the a media frenzy if this happened, and uh, even today, I think today uh, Cam Newton actually became the starting quarterback of the Patriots, and he's also the team captain. Yeah, he was announced uh, as the starter or won the starting job. Yeah. I, I think this would be like pre- uh, picture perfect narrative, you know, if um, we got to see these two in the Super Bowl. Possibly, but if you think about it. Um... Basically, a quarter of their team is out with on the COVID uh, on the COVID list, so mm-hmm. he's going to have trouble um, on offense. His one of his key players on his, on his offensive line is out, and that's that's going to be a big hit. I'm thinking this is just me, and I'm trying to pick up Bill Belichick's vibes right now. Who's the number one quarterback in the draft next year? Lawrence. Lawrence, exactly. Yeah. So what's what's the best way to do it? Oh, players are out with COVID. Cam Newton's starting. He's not a good offensive line. Yeah, I don't see Actually, Belichick as the the tanking type. I mean, I could be wrong, but yeah. I, I just don't see him as the tanking type, especially in a in a time where it's Tom, uh, Tom versus Belichick. You know. I would agree yeah. with George here just because of the fact that Belichick doesn't uh, – he doesn't like to do that, just like how George said. But also because, I mean, this is only going to be a few more seasons, if that, with Bill Belichick, and I just don't see him trying to go down that road now. Yeah, but his prodigy is Josh McDaniels, and he's the same-minded as Bill Belichick, but that's all he knows. This is definitely going to be an interesting season. Yes, that's for is. sure. Any final thoughts on the Fournette move? No, no, I'm good. Yeah, I think I'm good. Any more uh, thoughts on it, George? No, I think we've covered most of it. Um, So I think that's all the time we got for today's episode of Highly Contested. Stay tuned. We will be doing our best to podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So stay with it. Have a good one. Hope everyone's staying healthy. Have a good day, everybody.